0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I am your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Monday, May the third, and this next hour we study the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, who is love, and His love was manifested by being the final sacrifice for you. And we see this so clearly during the Easter season, where we are able to say, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He has risen indeed, and His love is poured into our." hearts this morning from 1 Kings chapter 8. At first glance, it doesn't seem like there's much there, but as we dig in deeper, we will see the temple filled with gold, Solomon's palace, all the temple furnishings. All of this points us to the promises that he always keeps. Today, as we hear these words, we know that the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. The ice Strong Word is generously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us to be strengthened by God's word this morning, we have the joy of having with us Pastor Jason Shockman of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in West Salem, Wisconsin. Pastor Shockman, welcome to Thy Strong Word.
1: Glad to be here, Pastor Finneran, and thanks for having me. Um, hopefully we'll continue to have some good banter as we always do.
0: Absolutely, I tell you what. Uh, this is our first time together on Thy Strong Word, but I'll give you one small memory. I remember Pastor Shockman was with me at seminary, and probably one of the first times I met you. You were hanging out in the commons or whatever that was, kind of a social area, and you were debating with another guy about Psalm 22. What does um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was. This is what you do at seminary. You talk about things like that when you could be talking about sports. Do you remember this time? Yep. Uh,
1: I remember a lot of conversations like that there in the student center uh, <laughs> at seminary because uh, I lived off campus. And so that's where I hung out in between classes. Um, and uh, my wife was generous with my time uh, while we were there. And so uh, I remember a lot of those conversations. Um, not that one in particular. Uh <laughs>
0: but yeah it was a it was a good time and this is a reminder to our listeners that uh, as we dig into the text today send us an email with any questions because we're in a process now that we don't always get to the questions a day of but we try to answer them um, the next day or later on during the week just because there's so much packed into this as obviously pastor shockman is passionate about the holy scriptures so send us an email kfuo at kfuo.org with any questions you have kfuo at kfuo.org like I said, this is our first time together. So, and we have new listeners all the time. Pastor, can you introduce yourself and the work of the saints at Prince of Peace?
1: Sure. Uh, so, I'm obviously Pastor Jason Chapman. Uh, <laughs> I graduated seminary in 2007 uh, and served. This is my now my second call uh, out of the seminary. I was in Janesville, Wisconsin, for a time, uh, and just it, the the joy of teaching God's word is, is uh, really what what makes this job great. Uh, And so I get a chance to do that here. We've got um, midweek Bible study Wednesday morning, Sunday morning Bible study. Occasionally we'll do evening Bible studies on specific topics or for like new member classes, that kind of thing. Um, Confirmation on Wednesday night. Uh, Churches at nine in the morning. Uh, Since the pandemic started, though, we've added a service so that we can keep our numbers manageable. So we've got nine o'clock and 1130. Um, Although... Uh, being May third, that uh, that service is now ended uh, oh. because we've got enough of our congregation vaccinated and uh, comfortable being together uh, and with with appropriate precautions. Um, and so we are able to go back down to one service uh, on Sunday mornings at nine am. Uh, and then a repeat of that service is Monday evening at seven pm. You know, for those families that are gone for the weekend for basketball tournaments, or you know, up at the lake cabin and spending some time with family, uh, that way they don't miss out on hearing the word and receiving those precious gifts uh, of forgiveness, life, and salvation.
0: Well, thank you for that introduction. It's uh, if I if I'm right, West Salem is by Lacrosse, right by Lacrosse, yeah. La Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, we right. are. We are just uh, twelve miles. Uh, East of the Mississippi River, so just just a few a few short miles away is uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, with the universities and hospitals and all that good stuff. <laughs>
0: that is great. Well, as we thank you for the introduction and one of the great joys of of Thy Strong Word and obviously with with uh, Bible studies like Sharper Iron, we have the gift of being able to see how God is at work not only in our own states or areas but across the world. And so when we hear about different parts of the country, what a joy it is to hear that the similarities but also the uniqueness of each um, congregation that our Lord has given to us. But here we're here to say the word. So, uh, Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer?
1: Absolutely. Lord, we thank you for showing your glory, not only in your presence in the temple of Jerusalem, but especially in the person and work of your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we open your word now and, and look at the first kings where Solomon dedicates, the temple, to the service of delivering your holiness to your people, we pray that you would continue by your word and spirit to sanctify us for service in your kingdom. This we pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Now, a reminder, everyone, open your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 8. Now, one of the one one important aspect I would say, if you're a visual person, one of the best things to do is to find a picture of what the temple looked like, um, Solomon's palace. We we spoke about that all of chapter seven to get a visual of what we're talking about, what we're looking at. Get a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. What does that look like? The cherubim in the most holy place. All of this is very helpful for people like myself, at least. I don't know, Pastor Shockman, are you a visual learner? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just a reminder that this will be a perfect time to find that um, kind of picture, either online or in your, in your uh, Lutheran study Bibles or any kind of study Bible. So just a reminder for that. Now, as we look at Chapter 8, there's a lot of contextual realities to, as we come to this place. So, Pastor Schachman, what are some introductory thoughts you have to help us out this morning?
1: Uh, well, the, the, the first, I think, is uh, three times in this text. Um, there's a direct reference to uh, the covenant that God makes with the people as he brings them out of the land of Egypt. And that, that phrase there, uh, mm. out of the land of Egypt, appears three different times in, in these 21 verses. Uh, I have said before, and I will continue to say, that when God repeats himself, we do well to listen. <laughs> that's uh, good. That's and good. so as he repeats himself in this text, uh, maybe that's a, a link uh, that we should be aware of uh, this settling of the ark of the covenant into the temple, bringing all of the furnishings uh, into the holy place and the most holy place, um, and and the glory of the Lord in in that cloud descending into the the most holy place there, so the priest can't even go in, right? All of this really links back to the deliverance of God and his promise to be their God and to be with his people that began as the people of Israel are brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand and strong arm of the Lord. And so here uh, as the temple is completed now and 11 months later, all these furnishings are brought in. Um, it, it is the culmination, if you will, uh, of the exodus where now God's people, they're settled in their own land. They're not disrupted by their enemies. David, the man, of, the, the King David, the man of war, uh, he really routed, or I should say God through David routed uh, the enemies and drove them out. Uh, and now there's not only this, this peace under Solomon's reign, uh, but now there is a permanent, settled, and central place where God dwells among His people, where the people of God can faithfully worship Him, uh, and they have this this now place that is central, not just to their worship life, but to their life as God's people in their everyday living. Uh, a, a place where they can fulfill those instructions that God gave back in Leviticus, right as they were still wandering in the desert uh, before they became here, came into Jerusalem. Uh, and now they have this uh, ability to do all the things that God gave them instruction to do in a way that not only reflects his holiness, uh, but is, is through these, these sacrifices and offerings and through this central place where God can pour out his holiness on his people.
0: You know, and and what's interesting is last week on, uh, we had Pastor Alms and we had actually on Friday, a friend of ours, Pastor Tim Sims, spoke about, yeah, um, it spoke about how you have the palace, you have uh, the court. Uh, not the court, but you had uh, the um, Ah, a, the Cedars of Lebanon house, and you had basically where they, he would do his judgment, and you had all of these, all of this. And I never thought about much, and I'm glad you're going to reference this today. Is is how this is a culmination of everything, and it says 480 years after the Exodus. You think about yeah. that. That brings us back to the Reformation, 1541. Um, You know, (laughs) just crazy to think about and how long they've waited and had to trust in the Lord to to bring the place they can worship, bring the place that they know that that God is working through his Kings. That's the place where we will get judged. That's a place where we'll have our armor. Um, That's the place where we need to be. So it's, it's a very much so a connection to Exodus, not only that he shows the connections like, Oh, this happened. And that's much like Exodus chapter 20 or something, but this really connects us to, it has been fulfilled and God keeps his promises. Other thoughts you have on this?
1: Well, even, even the, the, the tabernacle, right, that temporary yeah. sanctuary that traveled, right, the, the, the cloud would descend into the tent of meeting, and when it would rise up, they would follow it, would take the tabernacle down, you know, wrap it all up and transport it until the cloud stopped. That's true. And then put it back together. Well, there, we'll see this where uh, now that tabernacle gets taken down one last time. And as it travels to the temple and they stow it away there, that same cloud that, that governed them, uh, or guided them rather through the wilderness will descend again.
0: Oh, this this is getting me excited here. Are you, are you you ready? I want to get into this. Go keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, but realize that (laughs) there, there are generations now that haven't seen that cloud.
0: Oh, sure. Sure.
1: Right? They haven't they, they didn't know the cloud that guided them through the wilderness. they heard the, they heard their generational fathers tell of it, but they hadn't necessarily seen it. And now wow. here you get all the, the leaders and we'll talk about this a little bit, but you know all the, the, the heads of the tribes and the elders, um, they, they're all there. but it, it's more than just them and we'll talk about that in a minute too. They're all there in Jerusalem to see, the temple be dedicated. And one of the first things they see after everything gets brought in is the
0: cloud. Oh, that's good. Let's, let's get into this. This is, this is, this is getting really exciting for me now that we're talking. So let's open up our Bibles and reminder to our listeners, we will be reading from the English standard version of the Holy scriptures. First Kings chapter eight, and we'll begin with the first two verses. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes the leaders of the fathers, houses of the people of Israel, before King Solomon in Jerusalem, to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled to King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. All right. So all mm. the like you said, all the big wigs are together. Um, and so, what's yeah. happening here so far?
1: Well, I want to start with where you ended. It's the seventh month. Okay. Uh, what's significant there, Pastor Finneran, about the seventh month in the calendar of the Israelites?
0: July 4th.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Okay, keep going. Uh, keep going. No, this is the, in the seventh month is when they have the Day of Atonement. And the seventh month is the Festival of Booths. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's the... Uh, the remembering of God providing and protecting and his presence among them as they wandered in the wilderness when they lived in tents. And so you wouldn't just have, right, just not just the leaders, but there's probably somebody from every family in Israel gathered around Jerusalem living in tents for the festival of Booths or for the feast of Booths. Right. There's a whole lot more crowd there than just this. And, and it's in the seventh month. This is the month of the Day of Atonement, mm. right? The one day a year when the high priest could go into the most holy place and on behalf of the people spread the blood of the covenant, or sprinkle rather the blood of the covenant on the Ark of the Covenant. That the forgiveness that God offers through that sacrificial, that substitutionary sacrifice would uh, bring His forgiveness to the people.
0: Now, that is very helpful with the seventh month, because what I had read was much more simplistic, that he had waited 11 months in order to dedicate this temple and his palace and so forth. And that is kind of like, that's his information. But when you realize that there's one, a lot of people around, this reminds me of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, that God chose that time where the nations were gathered together and, and and he does the same thing here. He waits until the Feast of Booths when people are coming, and they know a big festival is coming, which obviously points us to the Lord's Supper as well, that when they had the Passover, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper that they already, obviously many people were celebrating this, and then he institutes something new. Um, and, and that that is, you know, God knows what he's doing. How about that?
1: Yeah. You think Uh, I, 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 I tried to think, and it usually works. Um, Yeah. So, you know, I was just, just as we were talking about it, I just wanted to just double check because I think there's one other festival in the seventh month. Yeah. So the the first day of the seventh month
0: is the Feast of Trumpets. Feast of Trumpets. Yeah. Right. Tell us about that. I, I wish I could tell you more. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just
1: don't have it right off the top of my head. I actually oh, had to you. look to make sure that it was there. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, so that's how the month starts, right? This this, uh, this sounding of the trumpets, declaring the victory of God, uh, and then you get the Day of Atonement, fifteen or ten days later, and then five days after that, the Festival of Booths starts, uh, and then uh, you get the the, the first. The first day of the Feast of Booths, and then the closing ceremony of the Feast of Booths. And these are all just, they're just large celebrations. Both the Day of Atonement uh, and and the the Feast of Booths, where you showed up. You showed up for this. Wow. You went to Jerusalem for this. Um, Oh, I'm just. And see if I can dig out that trumpet thing for you. Well, as you are looking uh, at that, yeah, let's continue. Like that, like
0: that. That's right. Yeah, yeah, please do. For our listeners, if you find it, um, let us know. Send us an email, at KFUO.org, and we'll see what we can put together. Verses 3 through 5 will continue. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tent of meeting, and all the holy vessels that were in the tent the priests and the Levites brought them up and King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who had assembled before him were with him before the ark, sacrificing so many sheep and oxen, oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. So uh, they came together, like you said so well, and this reminds us there's tons of people there and they bring the ark of the Lord and they start making sacrifices. What's all happening here?
1: Well, so uh, I stumbled across the trumpets thing, by the way, or oh, my you brain it. kicked into gear. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's the it's the beginning of the year. It's like January. It's like January first, right? Ah. It's the new year. Okay. Um, and and so at the head of the year, right? They would sound the trumpets, um, b- because th- with the the shout or the blowing of the shofar, like right, the ram's mm-hmm. horn, mm-hmm. um, it's it's the the uh, it's imp- It's the beginning of their agri- agricultural year. It's the beginning of their festival season. So we might say, for us, it's maybe like the beginning of Advent.
0: Sure, yep.
1: Right, yep. where it's the beginning of the festival half of the church year. The Day of Atonement quickly follows. The piece of food is right on its heels. Um, and that first day of the month, that, that blowing of the horn uh, set, signaled that this is a solemn time of preparation For the Day of Atonement. Right? So the the trumpet, the trumpet isn't just the sound of victory, right? It's an alarm. It's a warning. It's a call to repentance. Mm. Which leads us right into what's going on as they process before the ark, right? Right. You've got the Ark of the Lord going to the holy temple of the Lord, where the presence of the holy God will be in the cloud above the holy ark, in the most holy place. Now, the question is, what human in their sinfulness could be in any kind of proximity to all of that holiness?
0: You tell me. None. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not, not a one, right? And so even as they're moving the ark, the, the, the thing that, or what they're doing is, is essentially repenting with every step. Mm. Uh, like David, uh, bringing the Ark of the Covenant from Shiloh to Jerusalem, right, uh, uh, he, or from, rather from the Philistines to, to was, it, was that to Shiloh? See, this is where my brain has Swiss cheese moments. Um, you know, he, he was sacrificing rams all, or, and, and oxen all along the way, like sure. every few steps. Yep. Well, here, kind of the picture is Solomon and and all the congregation that had assembled before the Ark they are so recognizing their own sinfulness. They are so recognizing their own need for his holiness that all along the way they are just sacrificing animals. I mean, the picture, right, in your mind of the the blood that is spilt for the forgiveness of sins to pave the way for this holy ark to be brought to the Holy Temple, where the Holy God has promised to dwell in the midst of the people that he will make holy. This is not insignificant, right? Yeah. They're saying, look, we can't even count the number, right? And and in part, that's a recognition of our need for repentance, our need for forgiveness. That's, that's the law, in effect. You, you want to know the effect of the law? It leads to death. Here's an animal that's been sacrificed. That's what the law looks
0: like. You know, and it's, it's interesting as you say that, that you have the, the festival of trumpets, a call to repentance. This is John the Baptist, you know, before John yeah. the Baptist calling in Jesus as well, calls us to repentance. And we are called to that. As you said, during Advent, during Lent and every day, our life is a daily repentance and, and, and living we, out your we right, we're living out your baptism, you know, dying and rising with Christ. And here, one of the beauties, and I, I, I should know this, um, and I should have remembered this, but really, when it talks about, like you said, so well, so many sheep and oxen that they could not count or number that this was repentance, that people were uh, hearing the trumpets, I need to repent. Day of Atonement's coming, I need to repent. Uh, Feasts and booths, um, let's all go to Jerusalem. We know what the journey is. We need to be closer to our Lord. And it's more than just a tradition. This was them making these sacrifices and they know they need grace. And so that that is very helpful because like you and I talked about before this, you read through this and you're like, okay, they made sacrifices, move on, blah, 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 blah. But boy, you bring in those festivals and realize what time it is. That makes a huge difference in the context of these passages.
1: And uh, just so we don't miss it. Just as John the Baptist was there to prepare the way of the Savior. What does he say when he sees the Savior? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, How's he going to do that? By shedding his own blood right here you got the the animals the sheep and oxen that are sacrificed they're shedding their blood to cover the sins of the people all of this points forward to christ
2: Mm.
1: and even even here as they're bringing the ark in as as the promised presence of god is going to dwell among them they're preparing the way right Preparing the way for the Lord through the sacrifice that are all pointing forward to Christ, the ultimate Lamb of God, who not just covers the sin of some, but the sin
0: of the world. Wow. Let's continue on verses 6 through 11 as we hear more about the Ark of the Covenant actually entering the holy place. Verses 6 through 11. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place underneath the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread out their wings over the place of the Ark, so that the cherubim overshadowed the Ark and its poles. And the poles were so long that the ends of the poles were seen from the holy place before the inner sanctuary. But they could not be seen from outside, and they are there to this day. There was nothing in the ark except two tablets of stone that Moses put there at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the people of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. And when the priests came out of the holy place, a cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister before, because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord." Now, we are going to have to take our break in about a minute. And I want to make sure here, Pastor, that we don't get too quickly to 9 through 11. I mean, that's just going to be too much fun to get there too quickly. But do you have any thoughts for about a minute here in those first uh, 6 through 8?
1: Uh, just the priests of the Lord that brought the Ark of the Covenant to the place in their sanctuary. Um, I, I think that maybe it's worth remembering that, even as they wandered in the wilderness, coming out of the land of Egypt, there were specific roles for specific people in carrying and transporting the ark and the tabernacle itself. Mm-hmm. Right? And so here we see them going back to what they did, not like David did when he put it on a cart. Right. And, uh, was it, was it Uzziah uh, that that reached out to catch it and struck him dead? Yeah. No, no, not like that. They're doing it right. They're carrying it on the poles. They're carrying it the way they're supposed to. Uh, it's, it's, it's the right way.
0: And so it's in the proper place ready, I guess you'd say, to give the gifts. It's ready to do its work. It's ready for the yeah. Lord to show once again that he fulfills his promises. But now we need to take yeah. our break. We are studying First Kings chapter 8 with Pastor Jason Shockman, and we'll be right back. in Germany's Lutheran churches where Iranian refugees are flooding through the doors. What new opportunities for sharing the Christian faith are arising in communist Vietnam and how can my church play a part? Mission speakers, all LCMS pastors from the Lutheran Heritage Foundation will come to your church free of charge to preach and lead Bible studies tying into this exciting work going on
1: all around the world. To schedule your speaker, call LHF at
0: 800-554-0723. And welcome back. We are studying First Kings chapter 8 with Pastor Jason Shockman. And I tell you what, I've had a few moments here on during our break where I'm thinking, boy, I just, I just really want to get into this because as we look at the, the last few verses... 9 through 11 how can you not help but see the exodus as part of this um, it is a uh, it, it, it points us to how God is faithful to the very end it, it's what makes reading the Bible when you see it through the through Christ's goggles is what we heard quite often during seminary and I see it all the time when we read the Bible that all of it interconnects um, sometimes you wonder when you read like first Kings chapter 7 verses 1 through 12 like we did on Thursday like how does this point anything um, but here, very clearly, we see it all interconnect where God shows us once again, Christ. So any last thoughts before we get to these powerful verses, Pastor, 9 through 11? Oh, tee it up and take it swing, man. All right, let's do it. 9 through 11, it says, there's nothing in the ark except the two tablets. What is going on? Are people stealing? Does this have a bigger meaning? Well, yeah. What's happening? <laughs>
1: well... <laughs> Well, yeah, the Philistines <laughs> stole the Ark, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, they took it uh, and, and and didn't bring it back the, the way that they took it. That's right. Um, they they had a good reason to get rid of it when they got rid of it. That's right. Well, it wasn't going well for them while the Ark was in their possession. Uh, but, you know, the, they would have opened it up and looked and seen a jar with, with some manna in it that who knows what it looked like by then. It might have been dust. Right. Um, you know, uh, and Aaron's staff that budded they are going to look at that and go, "Well, it's got some dried flowers on it now." Um, <laughs> you know, it's a stick. They—they they wouldn't have seen any any value in it. They probably would have just chucked it. But these tablets of stone had writing on them, and and that was intriguing, right? Not only was it it was it writing, but it was it was Hebrew or one of those other ancient languages. We don't really have them, so don't really know. Uh, but my, my my understanding is, uh, what we see as the Ten Commandments would have been part of what was written on those tablets of stone, right? There may have been more than just the Decalogue written on those tablets. Um, and, and so really, those tablets were the foundation of what it meant to be the holy people of God, what it meant to be an Israelite. Mm -hmm. of the people of Israel, right? Uh, And when you talk to to, the Jews today, where do they start numbering the Ten Commandments? They don't start with, have no other gods before me. They start with number one is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt who delivered you from a house of slavery and bondage.
0: Starts with promise.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, while... While the, the Philistines wouldn't have had any, you know, real connection to manna, uh, or Aaron's budded staff, the writing on these tablets would have been intriguing to them. They would have kept it. So whether they kept it all together or not, when they brought it back, the tablets of stone were in there. Uh, so that's all that's left now, uh, as they bring the ark to the temple. Nonetheless, everything that Israel is doing surrounding this event, really does hearken back to the events of the Exodus where Aaron's staff was heavily involved. Mm. The, the events of the wandering in the wilderness, and they're, they're in the context of the Feast of Foods, where the manna that they collected every morning was, you know, that fine flake-like substance was, was right there. Yeah. So th- they would have remembered, oh, those things were in the Ark. Uh, now it's just the tablets, but the Ark itself uh, is a is a reminder for them not only of uh, the promise of God's presence but also of of his past deliverance and and we're going to see that uh as we get a little further in uh Solomon has a very clear view of this that past events cer- the present circumstances all shape how we look toward the future
0: and that's and those are good words for us to remember, right? In our yeah. in our daily walk with the Lord, the past events do affect where we are, but that's why we look at the past events of scripture and realize that as the Lord was with the Israelites when they finally made it to this point, he is also with us. Now, one thing that is, is struck me here, is that the priests come out of the holy place because it was filled? A cloud filled the house. What does this represent, or what's happening?
1: Well, this is the this is the the glory of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is and, and note uh, in our in our text here uh, when it talks about the the Lord there in verse nine. That's Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Like that's the that's the personal covenant name of the God of Israel. There's no messing around. This isn't just some general name for God like El or Elohim. This is the Hebrew for the covenant God of Israel. And and, and it even says so right right there in verse nine, uh, when he brought him up out of Egypt. So the the priest come out of the holy place, the cloud of the Lord again, filled the house of Yahweh uh, and at the end of verse 10 there, and then into 11, they couldn't stand a minister because of the cloud for the glory of Yahweh, filled the house of Yahweh, right? Uh, think about the, the, if we can fast forward, right, to the Mount of Transfiguration.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You got Jesus on the mountain revealed in his glory, and, and Peter, uh, you know, Peter open mouth, insert foot guy, uh, says Lord, it is good to be here. Let's put up tents. And you gotta be thinking, he's thinking booze. He's thinking festival of booze.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: He's thinking, this is this is the presence of God. This is what we celebrate with the festival of booze. This is God's presence and God's provision. And here it is. So let's set up some booze for you and Moses and Elijah and we'll just hang out here right for probably 7 days or so cuz that's about how long the booth festival ran mm-hmm. and and then the cloud comes down and they're on the ground right they 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 fall down in fear the presence of the of god in that cloud of glory is not something that people are comfortable with
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know let's go back to exodus Now we got Mount Sinai and the people are gathered around the base of Mount Sinai and God in the cloud and the lightning and the thunder and the shaking of the mountain proclaims his word and all the people are freaked out. (laughs) And they tell Moses don't yeah, right? Don't let him talk to us anymore. You talk to us for him or we're gonna die. Because this cloud isn't just like some thunderhead that you see roll in and across the plains. This is the very presence of God. The holy God. And we're not holy people.
0: That brings a whole new perspective on the Mount of Transfiguration. That brings a whole new perspective, Pastor. Um, Isn't that fun? So I'm... I'm, uh, I'm overwhelmed right now, kind of like, there. you know, I feel like I'm in the clouds uh, trying to figure out how this all connects. You're making it very clear of how Scripture is interconnected, as we said, almost a golden thread that comes through. And for this text, it appears the presence of the Lord is that golden thread. Obviously, it's Christ, um, but, but the, the presence of the Lord among his people showing them, by the way, I'm with you here you know this is um incarnational yeah, type stuff you know yeah go ahead it gets better better it gets okay better. it gets better oh yeah <laughs>
1: if you go if you got your bibles open folks and you just flip back real quick to exodus chapter 40 uh and look at verses 34 and 35 exodus, exodus chapter 40, 40. Look,
0: look. okay let's do it That's why we're here. Verses 34 and 35. We're right
1: at the end of Exodus. This is right before we hear all the stuff that God told Moses to tell the people of Israel that they were going to do now that there is people. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Moses, this is 35, and Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle.
0: Yeah, there
1: it is. Wait, we we forgot 34. 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle. And Moses couldn't go in. Oh, what do we see happening in 1 Kings chapter 8? Same thing. Exactly the same thing. I mean, it's almost (laughs) verbatim, right? The, The priest couldn't go in. Moses couldn't go in. Because God's presence was there. His holiness had enveloped that place. There's, there's nothing we can do but rejoice in it.
0: Tis good to be, tis good, Lord, to be here. I think is a um, a good statement, yeah. and it, yeah. it it really opens up. Like I said, Transfiguration. I know um, that hymn. I love Transfiguration Sunday, being able to sing that hymn because it it also points us to today. That when we are yeah. in worship, that we are in the presence of the Lord. Um,
1: yeah, right. It, but don't forget to continue with that hymn. Right, right. Tis good Lord, to be here. But since we may not remain. Right. Lord as you bid us leave the mouth,
0: come with us. On the plane. To the plane. Nice. Very nice. See that I tell you what, you want hymns quoted. I think Pastor Shockman is your oh. man, and we heard it today. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, come on now. So we know the glory of the Lord is with his people. And then Solomon replies. And I want to get to that point, but Pastor, do you have any last thoughts on those first eleven verses?
1: Oh, I'm good right
0: there, man. All right. We, we, <laughs> we've 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 covered, covered it. a bunch. We've covered it. And a reminder to our listeners that as we look at this, um, remember, we are going slowly through the scriptures that... Um, w- Pastor and and I and and all pastors and even with we've, we've experienced on this show on this program is that there are professors who have been studying like for example Dr. Doss in the Book of Galatians he's been studying for 15 years so remember there's always something new to learn and don't feel like we have it all put together that's why we're going oh, slow no. and always looking back to Jesus so let's continue on 12 through 13 then sure. Solomon said. The Lord has said that He would dwell in thick darkness. I have indeed built you an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. So Solomon speaks. Now, I want to do. I want to do this real quick thing here. Is when it says Lord, and it's Lord with capital L O R D. I yeah. think, if I'm correct your Pastor, you're the Hebrew scholar in the place oh, is <laughs> Lord, <laughs> Lord capitalized means that's the personal name for God, which is Yahweh. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. Okay. In the ESV anyway, uh, that was an editor's choice, right? When they translate from Hebrew to English, anytime Yahweh, that personal covenant name of the Old Testament people of Israel shows up, uh, then that is how they mark it uh, because there's different names for God. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, And so when they want to say Yahweh or when the Hebrew text says Yahweh, that's how the English translation in the ESV marks that as significantly his name. Right. There you go. Uh, and, and just on that note, right. Uh, the, the people of Israel had such reverence for God's personal name for the, what they know as the tetragrammaton, right. Cause it's a four letter name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that they wouldn't speak it. They,
0: they, wouldn't, would, they, they, would, would, they wouldn't speak Yahweh, you're saying? They
1: wouldn't say Yahweh. Okay, okay. They were so guarding the second commandment, right? Not misusing the name of the Lord your God, that they wouldn't speak it at all. They would substitute uh, Adonai, or they would substitute uh, Elohim, or they would substitute the, the vowels from Elohim, into the consonants from Yahweh and come up with Jehovah.
0: Oh, sure. Okay. Yep.
1: So that they, so that they wouldn't misuse in any way the name of, of the Lord. Right? So this is no small thing that Solomon, the king, not the priest, not the high priest, not the, not the high priest that was to put the name of the Lord on the people in the evening, saying, may the Lord bless you and keep you, the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. Uh, the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. No, that's all Yahweh, right? That's sure. the one time that they that they spoke that name. But here's Solomon turning around and essentially says to the people. Oh, no, he turns around at 14. Uh, so 12, 13, he's still looking at the house, yep, right? Yep, he right. says here, Yahweh has said that he would dwell in thick darkness, and I have indeed built you, uh you, God, uh, an exalted house, a place for you to dwell in forever. It's fixed. Mm-hmm. It's not movable anymore. It's permanent. We know where to go for your gifts. Huh. We know where to go for your gifts.
0: And that's a good, good point as well, because he's going to turn to the people. But right now he's looking at this and he's given a prayer, if you will, and saying, Mm -hmm. Lord, we know that you would dwell here. And now we know it's here. And that's a powerful thing for us to remember, because we can speak in such generalities, in general terms. Where we say, "Well, mm-hmm. God's everywhere. Well, God's everywhere." Mm-hmm. and and that's true. We don't ever want to deny the the um, the the Emmanuel, the God with us dynamics of of all of the universe, but also yeah, like
1: here. But
0: the omnipresence, the omnipresence. There you go. Even better. Um, and to know he's everywhere, but at the same time, we want to have that full assurance to know where he is. Uh, we know he, where he's working, like you said, where the gifts are, where this grace is to be given. And we obviously have that now. And here he's, he's showing that importance, even in the old Testament, that this is the place Mm -hmm. that he would dwell. So let's, let's keep moving here as he's As he, as he turns to the people, because there is that distinction. Uh, We see this in worship too. We face one direction and then we face a people in a different sense. And I want to get that dynamic as we look at the next few verses. So 14 through 16. Then the king turned around and blessed all the assembly of Israel while all the assembly of Israel stood. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Who was with us, who with his hand has fulfilled what he promised with his mouth to David my father, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I chose no city out of all the tribes of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now we could continue on, but I wanted to stop there just to make sure we're on the same page as we look at these verses. So he turns, and what does he tell us?
1: Well, it's to be the Lord who has done what he said he would do.
0: And he's simply repeating what the Lord has already told him.
1: Yep, yeah, right. Uh, that, And it's not just what he told him, but what he promised to David, my father. Now, I want to say it's probably significant that he uses both of those terms. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows that Solomon is David's son, you know, through whatever nefarious circumstances brought that about. Um, <laughs> not one of David's finer moments, uh, you know, uh, but but he calls him David, my father. Right. There's, there's no doubt. We're, we're, there's no room for any any question in the midst of this that Solomon is speaking. He is talking from not only his own uh, his own understanding, but he's connecting back through the promises God made to David and the very personal relationship David had with Yahweh, and the very imperson- the very personal involvement that Yahweh has had with Israel in the past.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Who who has his hand has fulfilled that now he has fulfilled what he said he would do. Right? He's the God that does what He says,
0: and, what, and why is that important? I want to I bring that back to our, our lives today.
1: Oh um, man, for that, so why is it important often, that God does that? Yeah. Oh well, so for us, like, how often do we pray for something and pray for something and pray for something, and it doesn't work out the way that we think it should?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, and then, what do we do? Oh, well, We tend to blame God, right? God, you, you didn't, you didn't. God, how could you let this, right? We tend to, we tend to make it, make it about him failing.
0: Right, right.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, to to my knowledge, he hasn't failed yet. Uh, We may not always like how he goes about it, but he always, always keeps his promises. And he always does what he says he's going to do. And if he says he's going to bless you, and if he says he's going to uh, give you eternal life, and if he says he's going to deliver you from the power of, of death and sin and hell, if, if he says he's going to deliver you from the enemy, from from the devil himself, then he will.
0: At his time and in his good pleasure, if we can say it that way, yep. um, and yep. he four
1: hundred and eighty years four (laughs) hundred you know oh my god eleven months after he finished building the temple you know i mean it's it's all in god's hands it's all in his time and and it's sometimes really easy for us uh stupid humans to to miss that right we get we get so distracted by the the changes and the chances of life or if we can grab Peter, right, by the wind and the waves of the storm, that we take our eyes off of the one who fulfills all of God's promises, that is Christ himself, right? So we know that in Christ, all of God's promises are yes, mm-hmm. and we hear here in First Kings David saying, you are the God who does exactly what you said you were going to do, and, and you've been doing it since you brought your people up out of Egypt, and I would even go so far as to say further back than that.
0: Right. And it's it's fascinating, too, because in a world to make a promise is a big deal. You know, that's a big deal, because if you you make a promise, like, for example, marriage um, would be a great example of this or when you promise to. Raise your children in the faith when you have your child baptized. I mean, this is a big deal because we're used to people breaking promises in our world. And so you make that yeah. promise. You better make sure it's true, which is why we point to God who keeps his promises.
1: Or, or if we could even bring it to, to a situation where the consequences are a little easier to see, right? When you promise in a court of law to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Right. You don't.
0: Right. There.
1: there are consequences when you don't keep your promise.
0: That's true. That's but God true.
1: always keeps his promise.
0: Amen. Amen. So he's reflecting back and says, by the way, I haven't chosen a city to this point, but now it has come to fruition. So you can see it. There it is Um, to this point, there hasn't been a place that was like permanent. There's been no foundation to the tabernacle. We kept moving it. Um, We've traveled throughout the desert 480 years. And now you God's people have the opportunity to see it and and to, to be able to touch it, to be partakers of it all right there. I found that interesting as I read this, any last thoughts before we finish out our verses for today? Well,
1: just, uh, in seventeen, right? How it was in the heart of my father. Did you go that far? Bro? I haven't gone that far
0: yet. So should I read the yeah. rest and oh, go for it? Oh, you want? Yeah, yeah. Let's just read the rest, and we'll Later. we'll keep talking. Verse
1: right. seventeen through uh, twenty-one. Now, now it was in the heart. Oh, I. Get, you want to read, or
0: should I? Read? I'm I'm going to read here. I'm the boss here. Here we go. Cool. All right.
1: You're the host, man. I'll just sit back. The- and
0: <laughs> Now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the house, but your son who shall be born to you shall build the house for my name. Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made. For I have risen in the place of David, my father, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised. And I have built the house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. And there I have provided a place for the ark in which the covenant of the Lord that he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. So here's our text. By the way, I'm not the boss. I'm just simply a host. And so I don't want yeah, right. to. <laughs> You're the host. You're the host. <laughs> anyways, I'm not against you reading the word of God, but I was I was on a roll. So anyways, sure, sure. verse 17, you said there's a highlight. What do you have?
1: So uh, David right, had been very public about his desire to build a house for the Lord. He had said it in, in the in the courts, he had said it publicly. He he had probably, or Solomon rather, had probably heard David say that his heart's desire was to build a temple for the Lord many times. Mm-hmm. Right. So here Solomon's drawing on his own experience. Right? This I know this was my father's will. I know this was my father's desire was to build a house for Yahweh, the God of Israel. But what kind of reputation does God want for His sanctuary? What kind of reputation does God want for the the work of the or for the for the man who builds it for Him? Right, uh, and this is this is we hear this. Uh, your heart was to build a house for My name, but you, and you did well that that was in your heart. This is the Lord speaking to David. All right, nevertheless, you're not going to build it. Now we don't have here uh, a description of of why, right? Uh, but we know uh, that David was a man of war. And Yahweh wants his dwelling place, the place of his presence, uh, where, where the kingdom of God is going to be delivered to the people, right? where his holiness is going to, to be given to them to be a place of peace. And, and so Yahweh wants his temple built by a man who is characterized, not by war,
0: but by peace. Oh, that's that's good. That's really good. Because at the right time and the right place, in the fullness of time, you know, we hear of Jesus yeah. being born in yeah. the likeness of men. And here, this was the right time. And, and, and you know, uh, Solomon speaks about this with Hiram. And he says, there is peace on every side of this. And it is time for me to build the house. As it says in Second Samuel 7, 1 Chronicles yeah. 17, this house will yeah. be built. And so it really is, it's kind of like when a church is about to build and they go through the history and say, this is how we yeah. got here. And at the end, you say, thanks be to God. This is kind of like a thanks be to God moment for, um, yeah. for, for Solomon. Now, we have about two minutes left here, Pastor. What are the last words you want to say that you would sum up this, these powerful words of Scripture?
1: Uh, just the, the fulfillment of the Exodus is right here. I do want to point out the little bit of word play that goes on in verse 20. Sure. Uh, Yahweh carried out, right? The Lord filled, filled his promise. Uh, he filled out his, fulfilled his promises. He carried out his promise. Uh, and I have risen in the place of my father. That's the same word, different form, mm. but the same word, mm. right? That, so Solomon's being a little punny, uh, there in verse 20. Uh, we know another guy that was a man of peace. That was a little punny sometimes, uh, specifically with a guy named Peter, when he called him a pebble, uh, and then told him on the rock of his confession, he would build the church. Right.
0: And then asked uh, him to walk and, on water. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, that was before. Yeah. Oh no, that was that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so again, I think that the thing that we see here in Solomon's blessing of the people, the thing we see in, uh, the, even in the unfolding of the bringing the Ark of the Lord into the temple of the Lord, is Solomon is looking to the past, to see God's promises, to see his acts of deliverance, he's connecting them with the present in what is happening right now, all so that he can look to the future uh, as he, in the next uh, reading, uh, will have this prayer of dedication, looking forward to what will be uh, now that this exodus has been fulfilled. And my question is: Is that how we pray? We pray with our eyes on the past and God's deliverance, connecting it to how He is delivering now, and looking forward to the promise of His deliverance in Christ.
0: Those are that's challenge. A good,
1: that's a good challenge. It's a, it's a very yeah, good challenge.
0: Very good challenge. Because as He looked first of all to the Lord, and then spoke to yep. the people, and then looked to the yep. future. That is really right. This is the way that that we live our lives, looking back to the Lord, um, speaking his word and looking to the future with hope. Because we are ones who uh, who do grieve, but we do not grieve without hope as we look to the future. So, uh, Pastor uh, Jason Shockman of Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in West Salem, Wisconsin, strengthen us with God's word this morning. Uh, Pastor Shockman, thank you for being our guest.
1: Absolutely. My pleasure. Uh, Pastor Finneran, as you continue, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.
0: Saints of our Lord, God is pleased to dwell in us, not as a big cloud of confusion or cloud of darkness, but by the blood of Christ and his gifts. He keeps his promises and his covenant is true, not only for the house of David, but for you through the blood of Jesus. In freedom, we believe. In freedom, we serve our neighbor. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And may he keep you safe in the palm of his hands.